there have been a few that have wanted a, um, a class introduction to uh, Christianity and what we teach here at church from God's Word. Uh, so during Sunday school for the month of January, uh, we'll start that the first Sunday of January. If you'd like to join me in my office, a space is limited to, I think, 16 uh, besides me, uh, but just let me know if you want to be part of this uh, Foundations class. So I have a book, a Foundations book, that I would uh, get to you, and we can be ready to go in, in January. Romans chapter 6, as we will be this morning, as we have enjoyed eating at Thanksgiving, Hopefully you've thought about the story of Thanksgiving in our country. Tisquantum, better known as Squanto, is credited with helping the pilgrims survive in Massachusetts, not far from here, in the early 1600s. If you watch a recounting or read about that account, uh, he taught the pilgrims to grow corn by planting a corn kernel with a fish, dead fish, for fertilizer. The corn kernel had to die in order to produce a corn stalk, and many corn kernels on that stalk. The fish had to decompose in order to fertilize the corn. They were buried together to produce abundant life. I looked this up on YouTube to see if anyone is still doing this today, and there are a number of videos on YouTube that you bury a fish head with uh, tomatoes. And so if you, watch, uh, if you watch YouTube, you'll see uh, the abundance of the difference between uh, the fish head tomatoes and the non-fish head tomatoes, and there's a number of, uh, of benefits, um, a lot more fruit on the, uh, on the tomatoes where the fish head is buried uh, together. The shriveled up corn kernel must die in order to produce life. We will see how our union with Christ can produce abundant life for God's glory. God's wonderful plan of giving us His righteousness is so that our lives will be free from sin and give Him the glory that's due His name. As we struggle to not sin after salvation, God gives hope and the purpose of our union with Christ's death. Romans 6, last week... Um, you may remember me yelling, by no means, and that may be the only thing you remember from last week. But that is in the answer to the question in verse 1, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is obviously absolutely not. He's going to explain the rest of Romans 6 is we cannot continue in sin. This is not the plan for the Christian. You saw it again, we sang about it just now, our last song, and we will, and you saw it in Second Peter, that we are to be holy and blameless. We cannot continue uh, in sin. So what helps us, what knowledge do we need to help us to walk in the end of verse 4? We saw this last week. What do we need to know in order to walk in newness of life? While we were buried with Christ, we were immersed into His death, and we are so that we would be also raised with Him 
so that we would walk in the newness of life. Now, we're going to look at just three verses this week, as you see up here. In Christ, we are free from sin. Let's read verses 5 to 7. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, summarizing verses 1 to 4, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And verse 7 kind of summarizes verses 5 and 6. So with a lot of truth in verses 5 and 6, what does it mean that we are united with Him in a death like His? Why does Scripture tell us, why does Paul tell us this about our salvation, and what does this do to keep us from continuing in sin that grace may abound? Well, being buried in a death like His, the purpose of putting corn kernels, or today tomato plants, in the ground with a fish isn't so that for some reasons we bury, like last week I talked about a guinea pig being buried, we bury it so that we don't have <clears throat> the effects of death around us. But that's not the purpose of why you bury um, corn kernels with fish. You bury them for the purpose of abundant life. We understand that as far as farming goes. Now, what is it that we want, that Paul wants us to grasp here with our being united with Christ, inside of Christ, immersed in Christ. Well, we've been united with Him. That's so connected. That, that word united there, similar but different than the word baptized. The word baptized means to be immersed into. United means connected and not being, not being able to be separated here. Okay, we've been united with Him in a death like His. We died with Christ. And he says, if, notice the word if here, and we'll have a lot of ifs and therefores in this passage because of all the connections that Paul wants us to see. If we have been united with him in a death like his, he's leading us somewhere. All right, so let's see where he's leading us. United in his death equals hope. We put seeds in the ground hoping for a harvest. The pilgrims, that first, second winter, where they had to have food to survive. Without Squanto, some history books say the pilgrims may not have been able to stay here. They may have had to go back to uh, England or wherever they wanted to go back in Europe because uh, they were desperate to have food, desperate to grow food. They put some of their corn in the ground with hope that when it came time in the fall to harvest, they were going to have an abundant harvest. And the first Thanksgiving is about that abundant harvest, and they enjoyed uh, the fruit of that, um, that harvest. So there is certainly, you see the word here in verse 5, if we've been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like his. So if you put the fish in the ground, that fish dies and the decomposition of the fish fertilizes the corn. No one puts a fish in the ground with corn expecting 
fish to come out. You know, I'm going to get a fish plant, okay? If you think you're going to get fish plants, someone's going to check your mind <laughs> and body to see you may not be all right upstairs. You put the fish in the ground for a different purpose than you put the corn in the ground. One you expect to decompose, the other you expect to give life. And we get both concepts here. Because what we saw last week, now go back to verse uh, 2, he says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? So we have died to sin. Verse 3 continues, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? And what does Christ, us being baptized into Christ's death What is he hoping to eliminate in us being buried with Christ? It is our sin. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, free from, we'll see today, free from sin. So we have been united with him in a death like His. So this death produces hope. We put something that's dead in the ground with Christ. We are inseparably linked to Christ's death. If you are not inseparably linked to Christ, that's a hard word to say, you are not guaranteed the second part of this verse. Everyone who dies without Christ, we don't have hope for them in the next life. Why? Because you are like the dead fish, and if you put a dead fish in the ground without the corn, what are you going to get? A decomposition of fish, and you're going to get earthworm food. All you're doing is feeding earthworms. You're not going to expect new life. You're going to expect decomposition of the fish. It is the fish with the corn that you're going to expect to get better corn. See, we are united with Christ's death. And it says here in verse 5, if we have been united with Him in a death like His. That's not a guarantee. And all those in Romans 1, 2, and 3 aren't united with Christ in a death like His. They're separated from Christ. And so when their body goes in the ground, there's not, we don't put their body in the ground with hope of life coming. That's the first death, the second death we see in Revelation 20, and it's not a pretty picture for those separated from Christ. But not so. This is not a chapter for the unsaved. This is a chapter for us believers. It builds on the sure surety of our faith from Romans 4. The results of that sure faith in Romans 5, and now the benefits and the expectation of how that should change the way we think about our lives in chapter 6, 7, and 8. We are inseparably linked to Christ's death. That's the first part of verse 5. Where's the hope come in then? That's the second part of verse 5. We shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Why? Because we have been united with Him in a death like His. The certainty comes not in our 
position apart from Christ. It is in our union with Christ in a death like His. We are surely linked to Christ's resurrection. You know why we worship on Sunday? Because, because Christ rose again on Sunday. When Christ rose again on Sunday, the Old Testament Sabbath worship on Saturday is eclipsed by something better. You know why the Jewish people worshiped on Saturday? Because of creation. You know why we worship on Sunday? Because of a new creation, Christ. Christ's resurrection is why we worship on Sunday. And every single Sunday, we gather as God's people on this day, on purpose on this day, because this day is special. This day represents new life, resurrection, and hope. See, if you're not united with Christ, you know what Sunday is? A day to sleep in, a day to shop, a day to watch football, a day to eat. They to get projects done around the house. All it is is more a day off, maybe, or if you have to work, oh, just another day to work. Not so for the Christian. Why? Because we are united with Christ in a death like His. So that certainly we are definitely united in a resurrection like His. And we gather every Sunday as a reminder of our position in him. And that gathering away from the world, holy as we saw in Second Peter, that means apart from the world. We gather out of the world and gather with God's other people. And what we have in common is we are surely linked with Christ's death and his resurrection. And every Sunday we gather and we smile. And we rejoice because our nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can take us out of this union with our Savior. And we are united in His death, but it's not just a morbid, fatalistic way of looking at life. Oh yeah, we're united in His death. He just doesn't want us to have any fun. Oh no, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like his. How glorious was Christ's resurrection. We read about it in all of the Gospels. It's mentioned in so many of the other books of the New Testament looking back to the crucifixion and the resurrection. And that day, that morning of the resurrection of Christ, the glory of God was on display. And you know what's going to happen? At the last trumpet, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Why are, where are the dead? They are in Christ. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. You know how glorious that's going to be? Oh, man. All of us who have loved ones that we have put in the ground all over this planet, in a moment, they're going to come out. Glorious. What the glory of Christ will be revealed. He is the first fruits. He is the, the, what we can expect. And because we are inseparably linked to His death, we shall certainly be inseparably linked and surely linked with Him 
in a resurrection like His. And that causes us, should cause us as believers to have incredible hope. That's verse 5. United in His death. And then verses 6 and 7. We know. Now, we have seen this word know back in verse 2. How can we, um, or verse 3, do you not know that all of us have been baptized? He's going to use this word know again and again in this passage because we, He wants us to know certain things. We saw in uh, Second, um, Second Peter, especially in verse 1, the word knowledge of God, knowledge of our Lord and Savior several times is there. What does God want us to know? Well, Romans 6 wants us to know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. There's a lot here. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There is a truth here in the first part of the verse, and the verse is separated into three, three parts here. And there's two results, and those two results build on one another. So the second result builds on the first result, and both of those results are built on the first truth, the truth that God wants us to know. What does He want us to know in verse 6 again? That our old self was crucified with Him. We are united in His death. But what part of us is united in, with Christ in His death? A very specific part of us our old self. We read Ephesians 4, and we are to put off the old man. We're to put off the old self. And I had us read Ephesians 4 because it's parallel to this. We cannot continue in sin that grace would abound. Why? Because we have to know certain things. What do we have to know? That our old self was crucified with Christ. Our old self, and it's going to tell us here, another uh, description of our old self is called the body of sin. How many times do we sin with our bodies? You're like, oh, if we just didn't have these filthy bodies, <laughs> the lust of our flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, we struggle with sin. You know what, we, we watch TV, if you watch probably extra TV, uh, you were confronted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, desire to enjoy something, desire to have something, and the desire to be something. Commercials, TV, music is all focusing us. This is the world, how it tempts us. It tempts our body of sin. It tempts our old self. But our old self and this body of sin is linked to His cross. See, we're not free to do whatever we want. Whenever we see commercials, whenever we see pornography, whenever we see something that is meant to inflame this body of sin, to tempt this body of sin, to disobey God, whenever we see sin or enticed to sin, we have to know this or we will continue in sin thinking, eh, I'll just ask for forgiveness. That is not how Christians need to think. No, when we're tempted with sin, we need to th have certain knowledge that's going to extinguish the flames of temptation. Like this is God's grace in us, like the fire trucks come and extinguish a fire. When you and our, 
in our, our heart want something that we know is wrong. And we start desiring it. And we watch a commercial. We watch something that we know we shouldn't see. It inflames, it, it just adds gasoline to the fire in our heart. And God's grace comes with knowledge and truth like a fire truck with water and starts dousing the flames. You don't need that. That's destructive. How do you need to think constantly? Well, we need to think this way. I am crucified with Christ. Whenever some, someone is crucified, their body is quickly being destroyed. Our old self, the way we lived without Christ, before Christ, our desire to sin, and Paul calls it a body of sin, capable of sinning, disobeying God. And he adds this word, old. This is the way it used to be. In contrast to verse 4, walk in newness of life. This is how we used to live. And if you got saved as an adult, you remember that you weren't convicted that much whenever you, you could in, indulge yourself in sin and you wouldn't feel bad, except for maybe physically you'd had some consequences of your sin. But you didn't feel that guilty. You're like, eh, no big deal. Everybody's doing it. This is just how we talk. This is just how we live. This is just how we lust. No big deal. But as a Christian, we can't live that way anymore. If we try to continue in sin, thinking grace would abound, this knowledge is going to constantly convict us because we have to know that our old self was crucified with Him. Our old self was buried with Him like a rotting fish. Our old self. We don't want fish to come out of the ground. We don't want the old self to come out of the ground with Christ. Oh, no, no, no. We buried that. We don't want to see it anymore. We know that our old self was crucified with him. Why is the old self crucified with him, you may ask? Okay, well, let's continue in verse 6. In order that, here's the reason. In order that the body of sin, this flesh that likes to sin, that invents sin, that covers sin, that gets other people to sin, this body of sin might be brought to nothing. Another translation says it might be destroyed. Why do we bury a fish or a guinea pig? Because that body is destructive outside of being buried. It's going to start smelling. It's going to cause disease if we keep it in our house still. It's not pet-worthy anymore. It is needing to be buried. And our old self is like that. This body of sin is linked to Jesus' cross so that it would be brought to nothing. When you, and I watched this video to the end of it where this guy buries a fish head with his tomatoes, and he digs up the fish head after nine months or so of being in the ground. You know what's left of the fish head? Bones. That's it. The tomato looked great. A lot more tomatoes than the ones without the fish underneath them. But he didn't expect 
to dig up the fish head and use it again. He didn't dig up the fish head expect to eat part of it or anything else. No, it served its purpose. It fertilized new life. Why We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that, now here's the second result that's built on the first one. Why does God want our body of sin to be destroyed? So that, and another result, based on the truth of the beginning of verse 6, and are united with Christ's death and His resurrection, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Whoa. So think back to your life and my life before I was saved. If people were to evaluate my life according to God's laws and according to His Word, would they conclude of my life that I was a slave to sin? If you look at your coworkers and your neighbors and your loved ones who do not know the Lord yet and how they talk and how they think and how they live, you know why they live that way? They're enslaved to sin. But you know how we cannot live as Christians? Still enslaved to sin. We can't live that way. Why? Because of this knowledge. This knowledge is meant to set you and I free. What is it going to be like in heaven free from sin? Oh, I can't wait. What makes life so hard as a Christian is I still am dealing with this old self and this body of sin that I still want to, to gratify the lust of the flesh at times, that I still want to desire, to desire things that are not right. I still want the approval of men more than the approval of God. I struggle with this. You do too. But if I will think this way, my old self, my body of sin is linked to His cross so that my sin would be destroyed. Why do I want my sin to be destroyed? Now, imagine if you have a horrible master. Now, in the Roman time, time this was written, there are many, many, a third or half of the people were enslaved. But if you had an awful master awful. He beat you, he abused you, and you were going to be passed to his son, and the son was exactly opposite of dad. Dad was cruel, son was probably like uh, Philemon in uh, a book of the New Testament. He was a wonderful master. And as soon as dad dies, all the slaves that dad owned are rejoicing. That tyrant is dead. Anytime a tyrant that keeps people in bondage, anytime that tyrant gets weak and sick and dies, the people that he kept in bondage, she kept in bondage, they rejoice. Look out through the pages of history. So, we were enslaved to sin? That's what this passage says. And as our old self is crucified with Him, 
The body of sin is brought to nothing. It's destroyed. And if our master is destroyed, sin, our old self, we are no longer enslaved to sin anymore. Why? Because our master is destroyed. How do we know he's destroyed? Because he was crucified with Christ. Our sin was our master. We loved our sin. We protected our sin. We justified our sin. And that sin was destroying us. And we are blind to how destructive that really was until God opened our eyes and showed us there is a better way to live than sin being your master. Your sin is abusing you, torturing you, persecuting you, destroying you. And our old self, the body of sin, is linked to His cross so that our sin would be destroyed. And the second part, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So now you can see, why would you continue in sin? So that grace would abound? Oh, no, no, no. You're set free. You would no longer be enslaved to your sin. So any Christian who says, I just have to sin. I just have to be proud. I just have to give in to the lust of my flesh. I just have to give in to the lust of my eyes. I just have to be worldly. I have to listen to this music. I have to have this or that. I have to control all of the people around me in my relationships. I have to give in to this sin. You don't understand. We kindly and lovingly take them to Romans 6 and say, let's walk through Romans 6 with you. What do you see here? I don't see enslavement to sin any longer here, right? We see freedom. But freedom is only found if we'll think one way. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. We would no longer be enslaved to our sin. I try to think of an illustration that would be better than what I started with last week. Should we continue in sin that grace would abound? I thought of this. If you enjoy um, ladies cooking, you need usually sharp knives in the kitchen. Men, if you enjoy hunting or outdoor stuff, you enjoy sharp knives, but you would never give a three-year-old a sharp knife, even if you live right next door to an emergency room. You say, well, I'll just let my three-year-old cut themselves because we can easily get stitches right next door, just as long as it's between eight and five in the day, so it's not extra at night. No one in their right mind would give a three-year-old sharp knives to play with, even if you live right next door to an emergency room, thinking, we'll just get stitches. But how many new believers do we tell it's okay to sin? It's okay to cut yourself with sin. We, we just stitch it up. We just stitch it up. What does your life look like if you continue in sin that grace would abound? There's scars all over your body. This is not how God wants us to use these bodies, nor 
does He save us so that we can continue in sin that grace would abound? By no means. Absolutely not. Why would you want to stay enslaved to sin when your freedom has been purchased? You have been redeemed. You know what the word redeem means? It's a wonderful word, especially if you're a slave, to buy, to be bought out of slavery. And if we are no longer slaves to sin, then someone had to purchase our freedom. And we sing, and we will sing a, a song in closing, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're no longer enslaved because we have been redeemed. We are united in His death, and the purpose is so that we would, our sin would be destroyed. And if our sin's destroyed, we're no longer enslaved to it. And if you think, I can still sin, and it's no big deal as a Christian, it's just as foolish as, I can just cut myself, I'll just go get stitches. I'll just cut myself, I'll just go get stitches. I'll just cut myself, I'll just play with a knife near my eye. What? Are you insane? Stop playing with knives. You no longer be enslaved to your own sin. Connecting this truth to our life. Every sin is forgetting because we see the knowledge here. If we don't have the knowledge, we may, we may have forgotten it or we may not know it yet. Okay, I gave my kids a pocket knife when they turned 10, not 3, not 4, not 5, not 6, not 7, 10. You say, well, my kids can handle it at 8. My kids can handle it until they're 20. Okay, you, you come up with an age. All right, with my kids, it was 10. All right, where this was, uh, and if they cut themselves after 10 on purpose multiple times, you know what, I'd probably take it away from them. Like, I don't think you're ready for this knife. You, you keep cutting yourself, okay? It's probably need to uh, go back to something else. Every sin is forgetting that our body of sin has been crucified with Christ. If you're in the habit of sinning still, you look back at this past week and say, you know what, I have sinned over and over again in this or that. And it's a habit for me. You probably need this knowledge. That sin has been crucified with Christ. That sin is like a decaying fish that needs to be buried. And don't dig it up. Don't mourn that it's buried. Be glad it's buried. And if a godly friend comes to you and says, you are continuing in sin... Why are you continuing in sin? There's two reasons. One, you don't know Christ, or one, you don't know this truth, that your old man, the body of sin, is crucified, is buried. It's destroyed. You no longer have to be a slave 
to that sin. So this week, thanking God for our salvation, we're going to thank the Lord daily that you are no longer, should be no in there, all right? Thank the Lord daily that you are no longer bound in slavery to your body of sin. You're no longer bound. Every Christian is free. No Christian is enslaved to sin. No Christian has to sin. No Christian has to continue in sin that grace may abound. You are no longer bound in slavery to your body of sin. Now, you, you and I will struggle with sin, but it's not because we're in slavery to it anymore as believers. And then ask God for wisdom because it requires a lot of wisdom. How do I live free from sin? How do I think in a way that I used to talk in a sinful way to my spouse or my kids or my coworkers or my neighbors? How can God control my tongue? Well, James 3 tells us about godly wisdom and earthly wisdom and comparing that. Proverbs, a whole book about wisdom, can give you wisdom on how to live as a Christian. God will give you wisdom. Proverbs 2 is probably the normal way we get wisdom. We search for it. As for hidden treasure, buried treasure, that's what Proverbs 2 says. Emergency wisdom is James 1. When we're in an emergency, we ask God for wisdom, or we're in trials, and He gives it to us. But the normal day-to-day how we get wisdom is we study God's Word. We know God. We know His ways. We know His truth, and His truth sets us free. You're free. Ask God for wisdom to remember your new position in Christ when you're tempted. And look at sin as God looks at it. It is disgusting. If I had a rotting fish up here on the pulpit, and I said, you know what, I'm going to handle this fish, and then I'll shake your hand in the back. You're like, eh, I'm good. Not even knuckles today, man. (laughs) Okay, I'm good. Why? Because I just handled death. You want nothing to do with that. Why is it that we handle and love sin and like, yeah, it's no big deal? It is a big deal. We should hate sin more than we hate a rotting fish. And it's buried. We're buried with Christ. Let's live and walk in newness of life. Verse 7, for one who has died with Christ has been set free from sin. So, who wants to be united with his death? Normally, we avoid the decay and the smell by burying death, but Christ's death is different. See, it was temporary, and it was perfectly powerful. Our union with Christ's death should greatly motivate us not to continue in sin and let God's grace abound. Thank the Lord this week that you're no longer bound in slavery to your old self, your body of sin. And ask God for wisdom to remember your new position in Christ's resurrection so that you can live out your salvation. All praise to Him. Let's pray. Our Father, help us to realize our position in Christ's death has freed us from slavery 
to sin. Help us to put these truths together and these wonderful results. I pray for those here today who are still enjoying being a slave to sin, that we would help them with your truth, that they need to know what you've done to set them free, that they cannot be a slave to two masters, and they can be set free from their sin. I pray for Christians who still struggle constantly, daily, with uh, temptation and giving in to sin sometimes and not giving in to it other times. I pray that this truth would help them win this battle in their private hearts, in their lives, in their minds, in their actions, their mouths. I pray that we would walk in newness of life because of our wonderful position, free from our sin, because we are buried and raised with our Savior. Thank you for our union with Him. Help us to live like we are, united with Christ this week, for His glory and His praise. Amen.